Hello Gothic friend, this is Alice and you are in Gothic land and in fact you are in a new section of this video podcast called The Road to Self-Recognition. This is going to be a space where I'm going to interview um, researchers, writers and psychologists. We're going to see the Gothic, we're going to see horror from the other side, we're going to, you're going to be in different mini-series with different people and we're going to be targeting all those aspects of the gothic that we love and we learn from and we we get to to learn more about our our own identity so we're going to open this section with a mini-series with a teacher and horror researcher uh, from the university of ankara tuche kutlu and with her we're going to open an analysis about identity, humanity, human side of things, beliefs, love, death, grief, loss, by analyzing Midnight Mass. So, uh, spoiler alert <laughs> for those who haven't seen it, but you're going to learn so much from here. So, welcome to this new section and we hope you enjoy it and see you there. Now we are there. Hello, Tuche. Good afternoon. How are you? Hi, how are you? I mean, it's basically at night here, so <laughs> I can I can say good evening back. <laughs> good evening. Yes, it's five in Spain, so it's uh, is it eight. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's seven seven in Turkey. Seven in Turkey. You see, this is fantastic. This being able to talk to people all over the world. I love it. Last week I was talking to a Venezuelan person living in Sydney. <laughs> That's great. I mean, <laughs> what a worldwide interview. That's right. Yes, we're just going, we're traveling all over the place, everybody now. So this is fantastic. It's great to see you again. Long time no see. We've been talking, we were saying before. Yeah. And what have you been up to recently? I mean, I interviewed you four months ago. Yeah. And it seems like 
yesterday and a lot of things have happened in your life. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit of what you're up to recently? Well, uh, a lot of things happened in my life. Well, I was working for a television. I mean, I'm, I am a PhD student, but I was working for a television, national television company. Uh, but then a position opened at my school as a, you know, teaching and research assistant. And so I'm starting uh, that job. Uh, I will have a tenured position at the university as a researcher. And uh, that's why I'm really happy because that was my kind of dream job. Everyone has dream jobs like, uh, you know, being a pilot and stuff. And mine, mine is being an academic. So, uh, well, that's happening. But sad things also happen. I lost my grandmother last month to COVID, uh, which was uh, very, very sad uh, for the entire family because it was so unexpected. Right. But, you know, like years of rich grief, uh, it doesn't really prepare you for the real stuff. I mean, it still, you know, punches you in the heart. So uh, that was also another thing that happened. But, you know, life moves on because uh, life is for the living, I always say. So we should um, honor the dead, but try to go on living as we did before. So how have you been, Alice? Yeah, we've what been are you doing? <laughs> I'm I'm not in the academia as you are, and I'm very very jealous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm doing it all a little bit by myself on my own, uh, pretty much between kids, schools, uh, things going on at home, business, and creating my own brand, like building it up, and oh yeah, God. super busy taking all the advice that I got from you last time and looking at all the books. I still haven't managed to read things that you've sent me because people keep sending me recommendations. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the things that you were saying in our last meeting, they still, you know, they keep coming back and they need, they still resonate. And grief, as you were saying, is such an important thing. And I've been looking into grief since we talked last time and where can we find it? How can we help other people with this? And actually it's not easy. And I think you're so necessary in this program because uh, we talk about grief. We talk about the dark sides of life, death, the, the black and white, the, the in-betweens. We talk about these shadows. And so really, Alice in Gothic Land has kind of gone more and more specific into identity and into the shadow self. So you fit perfectly well in here precisely because of... Uh, shadow self, me, yes. <laughs> exactly how you're exactly we fit so well as well so uh you told i think it was you who told me about midnight mass and yes i, have. I think it was you know i was like hey i need to watch that and then my husband said hey look what's there on tv he's he's the one controlling all the netflix so consuming, consuming netflix and um yeah then we went and i actually took notes on while I was watching it and I thought this is going to be for working up with Tuche. So we've got for everybody, we've, we've been talking about it. It was going to be just a, an interview for an hour, but then as topics were <laughs> coming up <laughs> between us, we decided <laughs> that maybe we're going to be serious. So in a way, we're going to see how it goes. 
but the idea is to create yes this mini series because midnight mass is so full so packed oh so packed so packed okay. so much to unpack there i mean mike flanagan uh, i'm such a fine girl for mike flanagan you know this and uh, so the viewers should also know this. They should be warned that I'm a big fangirl for Mike Flanagan. I think he understands grief like no other person. I mean, uh, he's been through a lot and we will talk about this in on the series as well uh, while we're discussing Midnight Mass. But, you know, as a kind of like introduction, uh, I think Mike Flanagan is one of those people that that comes once in a generation, I mm. think, and that understand they understand like human emotion, human feelings so well. They have been through so much that they can convey all this pain and trauma and grief. And I think we are lucky that uh, he lives in our time. And True. I think we are going to see much more from him in the future. Yeah, I hope so, because it has, it touches a nerve, doesn't it? It really does that, it touches a nerve. So I think if, if you want, I'm going to do one of my things. There you go. This is what we're talking about today. Yes, I love your surprises. I love this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> I love your energy in this. Like you're really happy. <laughs> well, I'm interviewing you, so that can be that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, you're in the middle. At this time, you're in the middle because you're the center today. So I don't take over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I have like I have a vampire next to me. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I should just run away from there as soon as as I can. <laughs> This is a spoiler alert program, people, because we think uh, that, and I think you, you will agree with me, Tucci, that if we don't go into the spoilers, we cannot get to the core of what we're trying to talk about yeah. here. So people, Unfortunately, if, you yes. it, if you haven't watched it, it's not a problem that you see the spoilers if you are the kind of people, the kind of person that you like watching what other people have to say and listening then watching it and having an opinion on your own. But if you prefer watching the series first, go there first, watch it, and then come to us again. You know, this is an evergreen. We're not going anywhere. So, spoiler alert. Exactly. So, <laughs> big, big spoiler alert. <laughs> exactly. And before we go into talking about this wonderful series um, that there's so much to learn from, I encourage everybody to support us because the project is growing. Uh, support you're supporting Alice, we're supporting Tuche because I'm going to be sharing everything that you donate with her there. The coffee is a page for those who don't know, it's a page where you can donate, you can buy us a coffee, you can buy us a, a car. Hey, a car will be nice. Uh, <laughs> <what is> that? <laughs> they will buy us a car? What? I didn't know about this. <laughs> with all the money we want make <laughs> I love I love that the, the selections are coffee and car. <laughs> it's like... it, could be, it could be a so miniature car, it could be a miniature one. <laughs> really, it's a place where we're going to try to build up more content. So based on whatever we talk here um, and in YouTube and then 
in other places, uh, there are going to be extra activities. We were saying maybe this, the presentation itself is a mini class too. It's not just an interview, but we have a quality speaker here. We have someone uh, with a background. There's a lot of work put here. If you're benefiting from it, then we just appreciate that, like a lot of people offer a little bit of support. So we can continue giving back to you as well, because we're doing something very special in this place, which is talking about all the uncomfortable things of life. The first question, this is for you to check, to start getting a little bit okay. a taste for those who maybe haven't seen it or they want to see, okay, let's, let's start from the bigger picture and then we start narrowing down if that's okay with you. So what is yeah, Midnight course. Mass all about for you? Because I have my opinion, I've read other people's opinions, but you probably have your own. Yeah, yeah. When I first watched it, uh, like in the in the first episodes, I was under the impression that it was about grief because Riley, the main character, well, if he's the main character, I don't want to spoil anything just right now. But you know, he's kind of the main character. Uh, I'm I'm not explaining why I'm saying kind of. Uh, so he's kind of the main character, and you start with his trauma, you start, because he uh, kills a young girl during a car accident that he caused while, you know, under the influence of alcohol. So we start with, uh, with him getting out of jail and going to the town, Crockett Island, where he grew up, where he was born, to, to his family. So we kind of understand that it will be him dealing with trauma, grief, addiction, and all that stuff. But then everything changes, you know, in a heartbeat, like around episode three or something. You're like, what? <laughs> because it is so surprising. You're not, you're not expecting, you're seeing a community, a very religious kind of community, and they're they're a catholic community and there's a young uh priest that uh you know joins the community and uh he's he seems helpful you know he seems he's trying to help uh and uh but then everything turns really really dark and really really uh sometimes at points satanic and occult, like uh, kind of like cultist. Uh, so uh, I think Midnight Mass for me is at first, at first look, it's about trauma. And in second look, it's about mortality. I think I would say that because mortality plays, immortality versus mortality plays a huge part, like pivotal part in the series. Because we as humans, we are so scared to die. We are so scared to get old. We are so scared to forget, you know, like get Alzheimer's and, you know, forget everything. We are so scared of all of it. But um, if there's a chance that we will not go through any of this, we will take it, you know, no matter the cost. This series shows me this. But... It also shows me that, uh, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And sometimes <laughs> it is paved with, yes, sometimes it is paved with love. 
even um, if you look at the finale, the, the uh, priest Paul's talk uh, about why he did this in the first place. I mean, he talks about love. All he talks about is love, but you know, what, like, but at what cost? At what cost, really, you know? Uh, so uh, Midnight Mass is uh, about love, it's about religion, blind faith, mortality, grief, everything. So uh, th that's why I said so much to unpack here. Yes, yes, that's why we were thinking of the miniseries, because maybe rushing into all the different things that we can talk about, we might be leaving things behind. And since we both liked it so much, and I think it's got this touch of classic films as well, it reminded me of The Exorcist at some point. That's why I yeah. sent you that article. Yeah, and, I read it. Uh, it's true someone else found out the same, that this image of the priest at the beginning and, and the journey of that priest that we see uh is it to the the wall of what is it called now the wall of um lamentations is that called like that in yeah, yeah yeah he he lamentation in jerusalem that's right, right. so i yeah. thought oh this reminds me of the exorcist, exorcist. In one of the, i think it, i think it was the second or the third where we see how everything starts there and mm. it's got reminiscences of a lot of other things so it's kind of very beautiful how it's also also made. So for you, what are the aspects that makes it so special? And now thinking, you know, like I was saying to you, it reminds me of, of all the films. I don't know if it's for you the setting, you know, there are things here that we're going to be talking about, like the camera and mm. the colors, you know, we're going to start getting into the Gothic elements too. But for you, what is it that made it so special? Well, um, I mean, this is a really deep story, and I think it's a very personal story. And uh, Mike Flanagan wrote an essay on this. I advise everyone to read it because it tells the story of how Midnight Mass came to be. It's it's a decade-old project for him. He yes. This was... Uh, this was to be one of his first projects, but, you know, every studio passed it. Like, everyone was like, no. Every network was like, no. Even Netflix was like, no. But really? after the success of, yeah, after the success of The Haunting of Hill House, this time he tried once more and they were like, of course, <laughs> because, like, you're now Mike Flanagan and you're a successful filmmaker. And... Uh, but he fought so much for this project. And you can understand why he fought so much because it is so personal to him because he is, as a person, uh, I mean, he's sober for like two years now, I think, two or three years, but he uh, he's a recovering alcoholic, uh, Mike Flanagan. And um, that Riley is also fighting with alcoholism. So he's basically Riley. And um, that's that's you know, you know that connection between the character and the creator. I think uh, lights up the screen. You know, you can you can feel that this was written by a person who knows how like what um, what you can lose by you know uh, by means of addiction 
and he also uh he was also an altar boy in a catholic church catholic church he was raised in catholic church he became an atheist just like riley so there are a lot of similarities between riley and mike flanagan and uh, that i think that really shows up on screen but for me one of the one of the reasons is this is the personal uh relationship and the second uh i must say the acting i mean yes. wow <laughs> i mean yeah. you can write something you can write something but in the in the hands of mediocre actors it might it might not mean anything at all but hamish linklater samantha sloyan i mean in the role of Be Beverly Keen. Oh my God, what a villain. I think he's, she's the villain of the story, not the vampire or angel, whatever it was. Uh, I think the villain, the villain of the story was Bev Keen. And what a performance. I mean, what I, I always say uh, horror genre is uh, pushed out of award circles, you know? You never, re you rarely see someone get an Oscar for a horror performance. I mean, the closest I think is Anthony Hap Hopkins with Silence of the Lambs. So, uh, other than that, you never see that. But if they weren't so uh, adamant in, you know, pushing horror out, I think Bev Keen, like Samantha Sloyan in the role of Bev Keen, would get and uh, a golden globe uh, and also an emmy for this role and um you know riley and hamish link later as i said before as the uh, paul the priest uh they're all great and the cinematography i mean all yes. that uh you know the church should be a welcoming place right because it's a it's a place of worship and uh but in this case uh with the midnight edition and all that it's this kind of like scary place it's a kind yeah. of like gothic place uh, right. you are you feel you feel very um how can i say like you feel uh, on edge when there's a scene in the church you're it's kind of scared for the characters yeah it's very uncanny yeah. right it's, it, it's very uncanny very yeah. uncanny and i'm going to <laughs> yes i'm going to spoil something but like riley gets beaten beaten there by the vampire so it is also a place where you know someone kind of loses their life uh so it is it's an uncanny place uh it's a gothic place and it's it's so interesting the way that they use these uh i think they built sets uh the way that they use these sets are incredible the colors you know all that white all that gold you know uh, celebrating catholic church but then there's blood everywhere because there's also an element of vampirism in the film and you know there's uh there's certain references to cults and satanic rituals kind of uh so uh i think a lot of things make it uh make makes midnight mass special for me like make midnight mass special for me but i think these are a few of them yeah i think you, you said something very very important there 
And it's something that um, when I analyze books and I review books, I also talk about is how we can see the imprint of the author in a book. But in this case, the creator of this story, Flanagan, we can see him through the story, even without having um, without having him saying, this is what happened to me, or this is, you know, the references are in the real world. Yeah. You empathize highly with his story, because I think at one point or another, we have all felt like that in a church. Now, maybe believers will not go, oh, but even, <laughs> even just being a tourist in a church, yeah. have you ever felt that sensation or a mosque or, or a place of prayer? Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, this is kind of cold place. When everybody sings at the same time and everybody's praying and everybody's believing this thing you cannot see, it's yeah. pretty scary, man. <laughs> it's like I know, I know, especially Gothic churches. Uh, there are a lot of them uh, around the world. I went to Italy. I went to a lot of countries. And when I go to Gothic churches, church, I have chills. I don't know why, uh, but they give me chills. All those, you know, gargoyles and like uh, statues and all that, you know, dark atmosphere. It's kind of like a scary film in there. So uh, it all shows, you know, that you should fear God. You should fear the power of the church. So, and in this show, I also felt that, you know, you should fear the power of the church. You should, because uh, Mark, uh, Paul, the priest, keeps talking about the vengeful God, you know. Yeah. He talks about a lot about Old Testament and how God is angry and vengeful and uh, I think it was Sarah's mother that leaves the church and says, we, should, we will never go to this church again. This man is not the man I know. Because, because all the things that he says about God are not uh, true. They're not true. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think the fact that at some point or another, we felt like all these different characters depending on who we had in front of us, that it makes it so special. I think it talks to everybody. So it's, it's, very, it's very, very powerful indeed, yes. I would like to go, before we go into more detail, you know, I'm being a curious person and, and using this critical thinking and, and all this, I thought, well, what is the origin? The, 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 mm -hmm. the whole origin of a midnight mass? Because I know I'm I'm in Spain, I've got you know Catholic background, Christian background, but I don't really go to church. I don't really know, you know. <laughs> you go to weddings, you go to, but you don't really think much about these things because, uh, well, if the family doesn't really follow it much, then you don't either. And even though my husband's side they're more religious and they go to all the masses, and but it's kind of information goes like that phew, for me, you know. Yes, okay, whatever. <laughs> Uh, every time I already I think, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it, it creeps me out. Church creeps me out, and I'm always thinking, yeah. God, am I am I satanistic here? Am I satanic? Do I have a, an evil entity in me? Because I feel like the light of creep. I love the play. Do, do I have an evil entity in me? <laughs> that's that's great. Like, oh, that's well, the first thing that comes to my mind. Evil entity. <laughs> yes. 
So I was looking for these origins of midnight mass and I found a couple of places and I thought this was so interesting and you probably knew about it already. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it's um, this page I found called midnightmass.com that the, the, the origins of these masses go back to uh, Christmas Eve, uh, the midnight vigil of Christmas Eve from the fourth century in Jerusalem. And this mm -hmm. was found by a Christian woman named Ijeri. I mean, I didn't know any of this. This is how fantastic watching things is. I know. Because then you have these questions and you go and you look for them and you find this wonderful information. So she she says, she tells that she saw, she saw how the Jews held a midnight vigil to celebrate the birth of the Savior. Now, this is thing is key for the series, the Savior figure. Who is the Savior? There's more than one. They all say we know each other from different moments. It's more than one. You start thinking about people self-sacrificing themselves for others. And and then we have this image, that impressive image of this vampire, spoiler alert again, when mm. it's in the mass. He never talks, this thing. We'll have to talk about the vampire on its own. But he you never will. says a word. Never. That is where Flanagan gets it right because there's no words. There's just an image, and it's so powerful. Exactly. That, that's, exactly. that horror is right there, right? And it's you, just... and you never get an answer to like what that was. You know what that really was. Maybe, maybe it was actually really an angel. I mean, you never. <laughs> kind of understand you know i know right it could be a demon it could be a vampire because the 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 only reason we say vampire is because it is so much in popular culture that you know vampires drink blood they have wings they fly and all that they they despise sunlight uh, because they kind of like <laughs> go up in flames. <laughs> well, that's the reason to despise sun, I guess. Uh, but uh, all all of these things that we learn from popular culture and also legends and uh, like folklore, that shows us that that creature was a vampire. But maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was something else. We have no idea. Uh, so yes, yeah. Indeed, indeed, it's like at the moment, but it, I think it's very powerful because you doubt, I think, at the moment that the priest says, was it an angel? And you go, well, if the priest is saying he's an angel, I believe it. I think that's it. That's the moment that we get uh, taken to these grounds. If certain people say certain information and some messages, mm -hmm is when we start doubting even about our own perceptions and i think he's doing this wonderfully he's playing with our brains it's like this yes. is a craft to do this is super crafty yes. so it's, it's interesting that we've got in in jerusalem we have this origin of the midnight mass but then it's not just original or originated there i also found that and this i think you're gonna love this mm. part Ah, that, that sounds really interesting. I love the picture already. <laughs> it's cool, right? This yeah, is from cool. a, a blog a blog page. I mean, I'm not plagiarizing anybody. I'm putting all the sources here. So people, please go and check them and follow these other writers because people are doing a lot of work on different areas. So we need each other's support. 
But this one and this page that I recommend people to read because it's wonderful, it says that it originating from the Germanic, Romance and Slavic regions, the Midnight Mass of the Dead. And I think this is a mixture of things now. This it's a special great. Yeah, and you have here, yeah, just as she rushed out the door, they tore off her coat and she ran home like crazy. And we have this drawing. This is all in this uh, page called Legends of the North. It's a blogspot.com page. And again, so it's very interesting for me how the same folklore, the same ideas are kind of different in different parts of the world, but they have something in common and how we have inherited all this. But yeah. this is actually in this page, it records is recorded as early as in the sixth century. So obviously the Jerusalem story comes first, but we have this one very close in time, just a couple of centuries apart. I don't know at what point there's been a connection because, you know, it's like different ends of the world. But that makes me question, and probably it would be good for continue researching, is at what point it's just that human beings, we've got this necessity and we all coincide when we're creating our folklore, we have the same fears. Mm -hmm. And maybe these yeah. different things come up. I mean, every religion or every culture, not even religion, every culture has a way of believing in something, either one God or more than one God. So what makes us all think about this idea of this religious place turning into something satanic or evil? It can. It can. I mean, uh, this, I think all the place, places of worship, I mean, all the religions take something from one another. I think it's kind of like a network of information and they share information. And uh, I just want to quickly go back and the, to, to the other page. And yeah. you said, who's the savior in Midnight Mass? And you That's said that there are a lot of sacrifices and i will go on that because you know riley first of all he's a very you know he he has been through a lot he has fought a lot for his life and for for you know against addiction and he fought grief he fought everything basically and then uh when you think that he might actually harm the only woman that he ever loved you're like no please don't do this and then spoiler alert he surprises you and he sacrifices himself That's and right. that is a moment where i i got legitimate chills i got you know like like my eyes watered and i'm like no don't do that because it was such a sad moment and it was a pivotal moment because like you're not expecting the main character to die so soon before the end of the series That's and true. you're like what the hell but then Erin Erin uh, sacrifices herself too at the end so yes. there are a lot of sacrifices you know there are a lot of sacrifices in the show uh basically and um a lot of you know figures of uh like um the redemption yes i i want to say redemption because in riley's case 
when he dies, when he, you know, goes away, uh, it's, that's, a, that's the question that the series keeps asking. Riley and Erin talk about death all the time. They talk about grief and death and how, you know, afterlife. And uh, you see him on the boat with the girl she, he killed. And that's such, a, such an important thing, you know, because he gets redemption. And that's yeah. so important, I think, uh, yeah, that's really beautiful. for religion. Yes, it's yeah, a beautiful it's, scene. It's a beautiful. Yeah, but he needs, I think he needed that kind of peace as well, because from the beginning, he's he's living with these ghosts. This is something I wanted to talk about when we get to ghosts, uh, probably not not today or not in this, um, this episode, but the importance of the ghost here and the role that each ghost in in the series has and as you said i think it's unexpected and that's why it makes it so whoa what what's going to happen next yeah. but in a logical kind of way that was his escape as well yeah. because it was he was cursed already from the beginning from the moment he had that accident he was cursed but at the same time, we have a savior, I think, in the sense that he he was like, no, I'm not going down. You know, considering he was an addict, yes. he didn't get addicted to drinking blood and turning into a, a different kind of monster. Monster, yeah. So that idea, that's kind of a romantic idea, I think, of sacrificing for your own principles. I'm a human. I'm a human with faults, but I'm not turning into this other monster. I already have my own problems. And, and this is just, you've conned me. And in fact, he realizes, he says to his mom, I think it's in episode four, he says, there's something there and that, you know, Father Paul is lying to all of us. I think that's the line. I wrote lines as I was watching it. And he already has this intuition. He cannot be fooled. And at some point, I think you probably agree with me that you're thinking, it's going to convert. It's going to convert. It's either going to be the savior and kill the monster and kill the vampire, and it's going to be like, dun, 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 or <laughs> it's going down with him, or it could go in many different ways. And I think the, the choice of how to finish with him, it was actually even beautiful because there was no escape for him, and Erin couldn't do anything for him. So it was awful for her, but at the same time, she could see why he did it why he so did it. powerful a very powerful image that one so powerful so. and you remember that he kept talking that he dreamt that they were on a boat he kept talking about that he had dreams about you know two of them being on a boat and you know and uh it came to be i mean the premonition came to be came true so um I think, uh, and also about the, you know, other uh, religions, you know, sharing the some, same kind of uh, folklore is yeah. that, you know, human, humans, they share stories and stories travel fast, really True. fast. And, you know, one, one of them takes uh, something out of it and uses it in their folklore. And that's how folklore works, you know. So you hear that, uh, for example, like in Turkey, I can tell you a folklore story and you would say, oh, I heard this before. There, there is one in Spain as well, just like this. And because, you know, there is information exchange. I mean, it's not 
as easy as it, as it is now, but even back in, you know, centuries ago, we could share stories uh, because we could travel. So uh, I think I think that's why there are a lot of, you know, for example, like Midnight Mass has different meanings for different cultures and yeah. for different religions as well. Uh, but I think for our case, the second one makes absolute sense, you know, the uh, Germanic version, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, Mass of the Dead, Midnight Mass of the Dead, because the final episode might actually be called, you know, it's not the, the name of the episode, but it could be called the Midnight yeah. Mass of the Dead. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't feel that it's out of place. Um, Absolutely. And definitely, definitely. I mean, the uh, this legend of um, it kind of reminds me of the uh, Day of the Dead of the Mexican tradition yes, uh, of celebrating death as well. Death it's as like well. Halloween, I mean, right? Yeah, it's like kind of Halloween. Yeah, Halloween, Halloween. Like, yeah, Samhain. Just like, correct. If we think about it, yes. Again, we can start connecting other but this one yes it's, it's it's very similar to halloween or as you said yes is the sawan is it called sawan <laughs> i think sawan 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 yes yeah, different, different and other people are getting really crazy it really matter that uh, yeah but it's fa it's fascinating that also in norway they started printing these in the late 1700s by a priest <laughs> as well yeah by a priest <laughs> that's uh yeah i know right it's it's a very interesting that it was painted by a priest yeah. um but like speaking of priest i think father paul also sees himself as a kind of savior as a kind of jesus-like figure that sacrificed himself for his community and yeah. uh that is baffling to me that i can understand his kind of thinking although it is i think it is uh, uh it's kind of crazy <laughs> that uh, he he thought that this would be a good idea to bring this kind of monster i mean for him it's an angel but to bring this monster to an island i mean yeah, what yeah, I think it gets blind. It gets blinded by. It's a bit naive, if you ask me. I think how I see him is there's a lot of naivety because he, yes, it's true. He's is very old. He's ill. It looks like he's almost about to die as well. Yeah. And he meets this thing in the middle of a crisis where he's about to face death. So in a way, he dies in that cave. Yeah, he, yeah, he dies. He does. He does. He does. And he rises like Lazarus. Correct. So that's so, again, so biblical, isn't it? Because it's inside this cave. So, yeah. And then he believes this story. Is obviously maybe because he's a pastor, maybe because he's a son of God. And then he's, he's there thinking, right, it must be okay. I, I am saved. His religion, his belief is that strong that he kind of, whatever happens from now on, is supported by the fact that I am a religious person. How can I be beaten or by a vampire? And the, the vampire will never appears. So he's kind of is. You cannot dislike him because he's naivety. Yeah. 
and all time is is carrying is is and this is the danger right this is the the dangerous thing he cares about his uh, community and he cares about yes. his people and yet he's brought death to them and he's brought this evil thing to them and it's only at the end when he realizes what he's done but only when his beloved person says to him what have you done and then he goes oh my god like a child that naivety is, is, is very childish and it's so dangerous how many times don't we have these people maybe in power ruling and ruling countries and yeah. and manipulated by a bigger being behind that we don't see you know it makes you think about your culture and makes you think about where we live the world we live in and the fact that this was also made um in pandemic time i think yeah, it is very important as well this because it's, it's disturbing and it's stirring things in people's heads so yeah the message there the figure of father paul is kind of yeah you cannot dislike him it's like this child that he's made a mistake and it oh but by then it's too late at what point is he actually guilty i mean this is very well acted as well when the first time he gives the the blood to um what's the name there the the woman the, the, the alzheimer's woman i've forgotten the name when he gives his love he gives the first time he gives her the, the blood in this chalice. Oh, and yeah. The first time, and I thought that, oh, what is that that he's giving her there? It kind of clicked in the second time yeah, it went down. in your mind. Mm-hmm. And then she's starting to remember things, and then and you're thinking, oh, and you can see this sadness in his face. And that's what it gives you the idea. There's something else there going on that we don't know about between yeah. him and this old lady this lady yes then before you know anything about the vampire or anything you go oh and that's because he's performed really well by the actor it is it is both actors perfectly perform their you know roles in that yeah and um about you know father paul i agree with you he has a kind of like childlike quality to him and The only time, you know, uh, that (laughs) I felt, Father Paul, when I felt um, that, oh, he's not so good, actually, was that he kills the town drunk in in his hut. And I'm like, um, and he's trying to, you know, make sense of it. He's like, Oh, his life was like uh, already ruined and all that. I'm like, oh no, you're not so such a good person at all, Paul. He's saying this with this voice and so convinced that he convinces you. Self righteousness that they that he has, and you're like, oh, you're not so good at all, are you? <laughs> and uh, that's that's one of the one of the scenes where I felt, you know. They're not so much sympathy for the devil, um, but uh, less uh, less so. But in the end, when he talks about, I can't remember the name of the woman for God's sake, uh, Sarah's mother. I will call her Sarah's mother. Okay, <laughs> Sarah is the doctor, doctor, <laughs> doctor's mother. So um, when. Uh, Sarah's mother and Paul 
they just sit and uh, he knows that Sarah is his daughter and uh, that that they lost so much time together and that he just wanted to get back those times that he lost with her, with them as a family. And you're like, ah, oh, yeah, you had yeah. good intentions, man. I mean, it was all about love, but yeah. at what cost? As I said before, at what cost? I'm that sacrifice the whole place. Yeah, she was called Mildred. I've just looked her up. Mildred. Mildred. Okay, Mildred. I mean, like you, you destroyed the entire town. I mean, the only survivors are two kids and one sheriff. <laughs> like everybody. Everybody died, and how how interesting it is that you know one of the survivors is a Muslim man. I think yes. it's great. It's it's beautiful, beautiful. And I also want to say, uh, as a Muslim-born uh, person, uh, the depiction of Islam mm -hmm. on the show is one of the best I've ever seen. I mean, oh, someone great. someone did their job really well, and they. Uh, really convey the strong points of uh, Islam as a religion, you know, and how it is more, you know, um, it's not the kind of like uh, violent religion everyone seems to think that it is, but it's all more about love. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. an acceptance of yes. your loved ones um I, I really did like that actually and it yeah, was very it was yeah i think the fact that there was just two of them it shows how much a minority they were how mm -hmm. they could get discriminated but then yes. also the twist of the son converting into christianity yeah oh, that... oh, it's like what but then, yeah, it can happen because it can happen the other way around as well. You know, it depends on you want to fit in as a teenager. You want to be part of the rest of the group. So yeah, of you don't want to be the different. But then you feel like you're disappointed and you're letting your father down as well. But, yeah, I thought it was beautiful. And I wanted to check and see how much of, of how what we see there was accurate. But now I'm happy that you're confirming and that's how it is this side of of the, the islam that we don't see we always see the negative side don't we we always have these preconceived ideas yeah. but the everyday life of a of a muslim person and a family yeah it's really nice as well and they were actually more normal <laughs> right <laughs> right than the entire congregation <laughs> Absolutely, they were super nuts. I mean, you know, they, they could see that they were looking at each other at some point saying, what's going on here? This, this is just a little right, but we're still standing because everybody else is doing That's proper. Our religion is like that, you know, it's like, bah, bah, we just need the bell, like, bah, bah. We don't think about, is this right or wrong? This is critical thinking. You have to, you've got all the elements in front of you, but then at the same time, you want to belong. And it's very clever, the fact that we are in a little island, not many people, everybody knows each other, yeah. it's little town mentality. I think 127 to be exact. That's like, that's so few, yeah. you know? Can you imagine that you're living with 126 people <laughs> on an island? That's... Not, uh, yeah, 
as the amount of students I had in my school at some point, so not many. <laughs> yes. That's so weird, really. And uh, as you said before, like everyone say going like, ha, 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 ha. And it's about, you know, blind faith. The show, as I said before, like this show is also about blind faith Absolutely. and, you know, just nodding to everything the authority figure says and just not thinking, not doing the critical thinking that you should be doing and just saying, yes, yes, I will do anything that you ask me to, which is a problem uh, everywhere. It's not just about religion, but if you're, if you say all right to everything anyone ever says, that's a problem right there. That's true, absolutely. You've, you've already said you, you were talking about Fanagan's inspiration at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I found, again, a, a different sources. I've been looking at different places, obviously, to answer all my questions. For people who don't know what it looks like, I thought that was a good picture because me, myself, <laughs> and myself I didn't really know what it looked like, the guy. So the creator of all this mess. And <laughs> so, yes, what you were saying, actually, is that it's a very deeply um, a personal project that started a long time ago. And I have to say the things that are marinated for so long, they come out nice. I mean, I think it's been worth its time having to wait for this because yeah. it's come out truly, truly um effective and really strong a lot of people criticize the dialogues the philosophical dialogues but i think they were smack on they were perfect so, so good so nowadays good. we need to think and the fact that we are living in a pandemic and people are not thinking is because they don't know how to think and the fact that we have these long but not so long that they are annoying conversations for me they were perfect it's the kind of conversation they might, you might have with a very close friend or with your mom. I've had these conversations. I'm sure you have these conversations. Of course well, I have. have this kind of conversation. So we are having <laughs> these kinds of conversations. Exactly. So, what is it about people? What tells us about people nowadays? The fact that they find in these conversations too long. For me, it's a sign of a social problem. It's a okay. sign, and, and probably someone who's watching this now might just go and switch off. But for me, it's a sign, and I'm reading it, reading it as something that we've got is an illness in our society. And I'm talking worldwide. I'm not talking to Spain or Turkey or Iceland. I think it's a global pandemic, but it's in the mind as well. And yeah. there's a very strong sentence in one of these, um, this article from Screen Rant that mm -hmm. Trevor Marcy, who is the executive producer of the show, said that this, uh, this problem, this series, was an examination of how faith is a signpost to who you are, and so is what you fear. And I think exactly is what you were saying before, <laughs> to you were talking about faith, yeah. and what does that tell, what does that say about us? And, and, and in this sentence, I think, is key for that as well. Yeah, I remember one time I went to a hospital and this old lady was sitting next to me and out of the blue, she turns to me and she says, nowadays people do everything uh, by their fear of God, but they should do so by their love of God. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, 
what <laughs> yeah. I, I was i was i was like in high school or something uh but that stuck with me that quote that she talked about you know not doing anything because you fear god but because you love god and yeah. uh a lot of religion is uh i mean father paul is kind of right when he talks about the vengeful god a lot of scripture is about how God destroys cities, destroys civilizations, and you know avenges, uh, you know what, what was done wrong uh, in a community. Uh, so fear is kind of a part of the religion in mm. many cultures. It's like fear is kind of like a fundamental element uh in religion as well like a lot of people i think in islam and also maybe in other religions as well people do good or maybe they do not do bad because they fear they will go to hell yeah and that is a big problem i mean we shouldn't do things because we want to go to heaven or we don't want to go to hell we should do things because that's who we are and that's the right thing to do and yeah. to know the right thing you you don't have to rely on a religion you don't have to rely on a belief system you there is an inner compass in all of us i believe uh, that tells us you know what is right or what is wrong i mean to kill a dog is obviously wrong. And if you think this is right, there is a problem and you should see someone about it. And, uh, and, and of course, how faith is, is a signpost to who we are. That's true because it also builds up character mm -hmm. and uh, it shows how, like, how much of a sacrifice you can make uh, in the face of your religion you know yeah. it's also yeah. because a lot of the a lot of the things in the religion are about sacrifice for example in islam you can't drink alcohol that means that you sacrifice alcohol to be yeah. in that religion or yeah. for example uh in other cultures you know there are things you can't eat or yeah. otherwise you will not be a part of the religion so religions shape us uh yeah. both fear wise and both personality wise i think so that quote is really good yeah Definitely. yeah it's so, true. It's so, so right as well i think uh, thinking about the religion i come from <clears throat> certainly uh, when i was at university one of my teachers in um he used to teach us he was called david roas i think it was his name mm -hmm. and he used to teach a theory of literature or literature, literary theory. And he was the first person who said to me, go and read the Bible. And I was like, what? Go read the Bible because that's the main story of all the stories that we've had later on. Okay. And that was a very clever point. And then he said, and also um, you will see that our religion is one of the most, we've got the most venge vengeful gods ever. <laughs> and true. that is true 
Uh, if you do this, it's always conditionals. If you do this, this is the outcome. So we have a religion that we have to love our God, not because it's good per se, but because there's there's a punishment if we don't. So it's so wrong. You know, we shouldn't be doing things for that reason. We should be doing things because they are wrong by themselves and um, not because yeah. you're going to go to hell or to heaven or so there's true. this thread, this constant thread. And for me, that's a dictatorship of our form. So we have a very cruel God in, in our religion. You know, I'd rather have a different type of religion where God is everywhere, is in nature and something more cosmic and less... More affectionate. Correct, yes. <laughs> and <exactly>. forgiving, right? <laughs> yeah, he's love and caring and you made me. Why are you punishing me? I wouldn't do that to my children. So yeah. what is the moral there? So yes, it's true. We have a Christian religion. I think is one of the most, I don't know, ever. I don't know much about the others, but it strikes me of being one of the cruelest religions. And the, the things that we've done in name of Christianity, just look back in, you know, Christopher Columbus, he invaded the Americas and he killed thousands of <laughs> yes. Americans. And, and what happened? happened. And so I'm not proud of this. Yeah. Know? And committed genocide. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. Uh, you talked about something about uh, people complaining about the monologues. There is a book by Dominic Petman called Infinite Distraction. Oh, you and like it is a great book it is a new new book kind of new 2016 i think he talks about social media and how we are distracted all the time and uh, i think that's why that's kind of why uh, that people are now they don't have the attention span to watch a 10 minute monologue i think they are, yeah. they are just easily bored. They're easily distracted. They're looking at their phones. They're not even listening to the half of the conversation. And they, because one, we conditioned them to do so as a society. We have these technologies that condition people. And two, these are very, very existential questions and people don't want to talk about them. They don't want to think about them. Because then how will they be able to sleep peacefully at night? Yes. Yes. They touch a nerve. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. You'll have to send me that book, that name of the book. I will. I will. But, um, and then I can actually post it in, in links and everything. And then if it's any extra material that we could put in coffee. So for people who okay. just want to this part, you know, for to supporters, anything that is extra material and references, we could put them there in coffee as well, and then people can can contribute to have access to things that might not be publicly there. They, they maybe you just have access to or articles that you've written, for example. Uh, there are a lot of things I would like to talk about, but uh, we're already into the hour. So there's these multiple camera things. Uh, I'm gonna maybe I'm just gonna go like that a moment and then i can just flick through uh, maybe we can talk about that uh, in the next section in the next want. yes session i think so yes yeah, so we, we end on a cliffhanger just like a streaming service show <laughs> exactly because then people can come and support us all over the place <laughs> yes 
if you want to know more about multiple camera angles, support us and then come see us. Yes, we're going to do a second part um, anyways, but uh, yes, and also to follow Tuche. Follow, we can find you in, in Twitter, we can find you in Instagram. It's a bit tiny here on the screen, but I can I will post everything on the, <laughs> the YouTube links and everything there. So yeah, that's that. And then Alice is all over the place. Hey, something I didn't Ooh, tell you. I'm right now. You're so I'm busy. Right I love it. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, this social media is keeping me very busy as well. <laughs> but yes, um, please just uh, I hope that uh, people have enjoyed that this first part because there's a lot more to come. Uh, yeah. We have to talk about the setting. We have to talk about what we're learning. We have to talk about the ghost, the characters. But we kind of, I think, we've set up like the foundations of kind of what, like an introduction. Correct. Yes. And then what what to expect from this and some names here and there. But maybe now we need to put these names with the right faces and and then we can continue talking about it because it's all about. Uh, also, I think what we're doing here and what you like doing is analyzing, going down the rabbit hole and, and help people to find more about their own identity. This is what Alice in Gothic Land is all about. But I think in general, we all kind of always searching for who we are and clarifying uh, our purpose in life. And a lot of times we avoid pain and, and fear and all this. And actually what we need to do is face these moments being uh, uncomfortable is good because it makes you analyze <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> why you are uncomfortable and you know you have to go deep down in your brain and your psyche and see what why am i uncomfortable with this <clears throat> ask these questions and then you'll feel like okay i worked on a problem here i'm facing my fears and horror does that the gothic does that and talking about death grief loss definitely does that so thank you very much to chat and thank you for having me and lovely conversation thank you for the lovely conversation it's always great to talk to you thank you likewise so we'll continue on the next one so don't go or come back or whatever <laughs> okay speak to you soon thank you <laughs> bye, bye.